You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Joining me on the phone line right now, we have former White Sox pitcher and I believe, what are you, an ambassador this year? Uh, Don Paul's on the line. How are you, Don? Hey, doing wonderful over here. Working from home like everybody else, it seems like. And uh, yeah, all, all okay. Everybody's safe and healthy, so all good. That's, that's a good thing. It, it's, it's strange to work from home. Uh, I have three kids from a 4-year-old to a 12-year-old up to a 14 so I have three very different personalities, three very different levels that I'm dealing with here as we're all stuck in the same house. And, and I go and hide down at my bar every night when I get tired. And that's become my new routine now. How are you hanging in there? <laughs> we're doing okay. Fortunately, I have older kids. So my kids are like 25 and 23, both actually in their bedrooms working from home as well, too. But I don't have the... You know, not a lot of distractions and dogs running around and kids running around and stuff. So I'm in a better place, I guess. That's good. How much do you miss baseball right now? Just as a fan, <laughs> how much do you miss it? Because I think it hurt every single one of us when opening day rolled around and there was no baseball. It really does. I know. I just can't get over it. You know, and there's nothing in sight either. Not only baseball, but it's all the sports too. And just starting with the NCAAs and tournaments and stuff. It's just hard to believe that so many people are kind of locked up in home right now and there's no sports to even watch to kind of pass the time right yeah but baseball for sure is, is, is a missing for me too yeah yeah i don't know if you noticed but we've been doing this thing on sacks in the basement where we're actually simulating each of the games in a 90 minute radio broadcast using mlb the show complete with like the all the audio from the crowd a complete radio broadcast and the thing <laughs> continues to climb in terms of the amount of listeners because people are starved for sports right now Right, yeah, they are starved, is right. I mean, I was was noticing, I think by the second half of the year in the fall style, it's going to be jam-packed because I see the Indy 500s in the fall now, the Kentucky Derby's in the fall right now, the Masters might be in the fall. Everything's going to be jammed in. It's going to be an unbelievable sports time in the fall. Yeah, it's going to be a big, giant party. We're all going to go out and, uh, you know, it's funny. (laughs) Right now, everybody's like, how will I... How will I get to work? But in in, uh, September, everybody's going to be like, how do I get time off to watch all the sports? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's let's talk a little bit. Even though they're not they're not technically playing right now, they are in our simulation. Let's talk a little bit about the White Sox. Okay. You you look at this uh, this pitching staff, and from a pitching perspective, I would love to get your input on what you think of this, some of these guys, or at least the logjam, especially with the starting rotation. Uh, the White Sox were set to go with a rotation, and who knows if Ricky Renteria would have adjusted it at the bottom, but we kind of predicted it would have gone uh, Giolito, Keuchel, then he would have gone back to another, uh, another. he would have gone like righty-lefty, so we figured he would go like Cease, right. and then Gio Gonzalez, and then back to Reynaldo Lopez, and you had Michael Kopech eventually coming up, but they wanted to make sure he was completely ready, and it seemed like he was going to start in AAA. They optioned him there because they were allowed to do that here just uh, just within the last week. And then they have Carlos Rodon coming back at some point midway through the season, which means there are two guys currently in the starting rotation that might not be in the starting rotation by the end of the year. Uh, what is that like? I mean, I know you spent your time in the pen, but you, I mean, what is that like when you're when you have a role? 
but you almost are sitting around wondering, like, will I have that role by the end of the year? And there's, you know, there's competition right off the bat. Well, competition is always good. I mean, I think competition always brings out the best of everybody. So it's good to have that for sure. And, you know, the way to look at it is you normally, you don't even worry about it. I mean, I think these starting pitchers should not even worry at all about these guys coming up later because so much can happen. You know, anything can happen at all. You know, who knows? Carlos Rodon, I'd be very surprised if he's a starting pitcher by the end of the year, if he's even back. You know, it takes a while for that Tommy John to come back. And But Kopech, I would hope, would be a, a good factor sometime this year. But things seem to work themselves out. Somebody ends up getting hurt. Somebody doesn't pitch well. You know, if you're, if you're, you know, all you got to do is just focus on what you're doing and, and do it as best as you can. If you're putting up the numbers, uh, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. They'll find room for you. They'll trade you something. You'll, you'll have a job as long as you're doing your job. So that's all you can control. So that's all you got to go out there and take care of. You know, at the end of last year, uh, one of the young starters on the White Sox, Reynaldo Lopez, uh, you could see it. We talked about it a little bit on our show. Uh, last start of the year, it was pretty animated on the mound between him and Ricky Renteria. And then uh, the manager, Renteria, goes on uh, a postseason television broadcast where he's getting interviewed by Jason Benetti a couple days afterwards. And to paraphrase at least, he's basically talking about concentration at the ballpark when he's asked about Lopez and that he has to just focus on pitching when he's out on the mound and not think about what's going on in his personal life or what's going on with his home or what's going on with his family or what's going on with his girlfriend because you can't bring all that out there on the mound. So without being specific, though, just about Ray Lopez, how do you and how did you as a pitcher Focus just on the game, even though you do have a life outside the ballpark. How do you flip that switch so you're ready when game time begins? I don't know, but for, it seemed pretty easy for me. I would, think, I would think a lot of guys, it should be pretty easy, especially for me. I always felt like I was always a, a kind of a underdog out there. Here am I, a guy with, I always thought, you know, minimal talent compared to everybody else in the major leagues, facing these stud hitters out there. And I'm thinking... I can't at all focus on anything else. I got my hands full right here. If I'm at all hearing people in the stands, you know, sometimes you know, you, people are, are you know, ragging you from the stands or yelling at you or something or booing you or something. If you're paying any attention to any of that stuff at all, you're, I'm totally screwed then. You know, because I say, I've got my hands full as it is. got to make do as, as good as possible to, to do my job out there uh, with, with the talent that I had. And uh, any distractions at all, and I'd have no chance at all. So uh, to, to me, a lot of people ask you, how do you stay focused with the, you know, the, the crowds and then, you know, either cheering or booing or whatever. I tell you, you, you can, it's, it's almost, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but you can really block it out and, and just focus in on, on what your job is and take everything else out of the equation. Right now in our simulated season, we're going to Boston this weekend, and it brings up an interesting question for me. I mean, you you played in that ballpark. You you visited it before. You, you, it's got that big monster out in left field. Do you change yeah. anything about how you're pitching when you're in a ballpark with strange dimensions like Fenway Park, or is it just business as usual for you and you just you don't worry about that? Yeah, just business as usual is – if you go away from your game plan and all of a sudden you're, you're you know, not pitching to your strengths and you're pitching to your second or third strength instead of your main strength, you're going to get into more trouble, more trouble for sure. And, you know, I've had, you know, some of my best things at Fenway. I got my, 
my my first win I think was in Fenway, first major league win, and then I remember giving up a grand slam to Jack Clark in Fenway. You know, so it was certainly good and bad going on over there. Um, but you absolutely got to, I think, pitch your game, pitch your even you know depending on the hitter. You, you don't. I don't think you need to adjust too much to what the hitter is doing up there. You, you have to adjust a little bit to them, but you still have to keep in mind what your strengths are and not necessarily going to, your, to more of your weakness because you think uh, you might be better off that way. I don't, I don't agree with that one. You know, speaking of the road, we always see, like, if you watch a baseball movie and let's say you're watching some kind of baseball comedy and the team's doing terrible and then all of a sudden they go on the road and they all bond together. Does that actually happen? Like, is it like one of those things where like when you're at home, you're not bonding as well, but when you get on the road and you're all sharing a hotel room, all of a sudden, like something comes together chemistry wise, or is that all made up? I think that's true. There's definitely some truth to that. Cause when you're home, every spread out, you got your family going on, you're, you know, you don't see each other as much at all. I mean, you're at the ballpark, of course, with everybody, but when you're on the road, you know, a couple of things happen. One, you're you're with these guys, you know, almost day and night, it seems like. Uh, you're going out with them at night. You're having lunch and stuff with them during the day. You're 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 just you're you're with them all the time. And then and also there's the factor of a lot of times guys try to uh, take advantage of, of calling themselves the road warriors. You know, people who you know guys who go on the road and just band together, kind of being the underdogs because the road teams are more, more usually the underdogs. So banding together against the, the opposing team, the opposing fans and stuff, and just just looking at it as a challenge and taking it all on, and saying, "Hey, we're going to take it to you right here." So I think there's a number of factors going on the road that can help out players too as a team. You know, I once went on the road in the '90s and went to Minnesota to follow the Sox. And I had my, it was my whole family. So my mom, my dad, my sister's there. My sister and I are both teenagers at the time in high school. And my sister was just in love with Robin Ventura. Okay. And she's like, I want to, <laughs> I want to find Robin Ventura in the hotel. And it was a four game set. And she sat around for like two days and couldn't find him. <laughs> One morning we're down in the lobby and it's early morning, like we're having breakfast and we had gone and sat off to the side and we were looking at some of the autographs that we had gotten. And, you know, cause I'd run into Frank Thomas, I got him to sign my rookie card. I was like all excited about it. He was getting off the elevator. He almost ran over me and I, and I'm, and, I'm, and, and all of a sudden here comes Ventura walking in and it's clear he's coming home from the night before. Like the sun is up, oh, he comes, he comes walking in, he's got sunglasses on, he's got his head down. He has been out all night long. My sister goes, should I go up there? I'm like, no, don't even bother right now. Like, <laughs> tell me, tell me one of the funniest, funnier stories of you guys on the road. I mean, like, first of all, it does, I mean, like, did you have like guys on the team that they, like they got on the road and they just let loose or it was, was that a one-time thing that I saw with uh, the future manager of the Chicago White Sox? Oh God. Yeah. No, once in a while stuff like that goes on, I, I was somewhat naive. I know, I'm, I'm more low key, I think, than a lot of these players. Uh, you know, I, I just did not just partake in as much of all the extracurricular activities that some guys can and, and will do. So I don't know all the stories. I, I missed out on a lot of the good stories, I think, that were going on. But there certainly <laughs> are guys that, you know, that are they're out there, you know, late at night and, and into the morning. I think we, we did have one or two players that, you know, I, I don't remember the Ventura thing, but I do remember a couple other players that were, you know, especially starting pitchers, 
you know, who I, I can see is, you know, they're not going to pitch again for a few days. So some of the times those guys will really do a bender and then, you know, no, no big deal. But if you're a position player, you're going to play the next day. <laughs> he did play. Uh, that, that's, that's the thing. He good. played that. Right. He played that day. We got swept in that series, by the way. So there might have been a lot of drinking going on in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not good. But I mean, it goes back to the other Mickey Mantle days. You hear about Mickey Mantle and, and all the stuff that, you know, he did, you know, so... Yeah, a lot, there is a, a lot of uh, crazy stories. Where I just, I just can't believe. And again, for to me, I always felt like, you know, I, again, I, I just needed to give everything I had to be able to stay in the major leagues. I didn't have all the talent where hey, I could relax and just, hey, I'll just coast here. I can show up and, you know, hungover and stuff. I had to have everything I had to just to stay there. I felt. You know, so so to me, I I did not want to have an episode like that where I'd be coming in uh, you know, hungover or still partially drunk from the night before, or, or just not ready to go. Because for for me, you know, about two or three bad games in a row, and I could be sent down to minor leagues easily. <laughs> that was a little different story for me. Yeah, you were you're a local Southsider who who was from Evergreen Park, and that's where that's where I'm currently living right now, and that. That's a big deal to end up on the team that you rooted for as a kid. And then you're very humble, obviously, because you didn't believe that you're... It sounds like you didn't even believe you belonged in the major leagues, even though you had a pretty good career in terms of length out uh, out there in the, on, the, on the diamond. You had, you had a lot of years underneath you. What was it like playing in Chicago for your childhood team? Was It, it, it had to be a very different feeling going out on the field in Chicago on the South side than when you played for the franchises, right? Chris, unbelievable. Just, I uh, just total dream come true. I mean, to me, playing in the major leagues period is phenomenal, but to play for your favorite hometown team on top of it is just, just off the charts. So it was just, to me, so cool. You know, I had, you know, my parents uh, going to, and my wife's parents going to every single game basically at home you know, my parents have been going to every game since I was in Little League all the way up through the major leagues. You know, it's just, just so cool to be able to be local, to be able to have something like that happen. You know, and, and then for a little while, believe it or not, I was living at home. When I got called up for the minor leagues originally, I was living at home because I, I, I lived for like 25 minutes from the ballpark, you know, and I could easily get sent to the minor leagues. So how could I get an apartment somewhere when I got no job security necessarily? Might as well live at home. And I just remember one game where I, I came in and I struck out. I think it was it might have been George Bell. I think he might have been MVP the year before or something I mean, when he was on Toronto. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm coming home and thinking, Mike, can you believe this? You know, you know, pinch yourself. You know, here I am in the major league pitching for the White Sox. I just struck out the MVP last year. You know, it's just unbelievable. And then I go back home and I'm sleeping in my own bed that I, you know, growing up in. You know, so it's still it's like a dream. Yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be a riot too because you're at home and then you got friends in the neighborhood that are gonna comment on what yeah. they watched on TV. They're like, "Hey, man, good job!" Or what the heck was that pitch you threw to that guy? I'm sure you got that too. Right, right. And I and I had some guys on the team were giving me a hard time. Of course, they're saying, "Hey, you know, you gotta be the only guy in the major leagues who's living at home right now." <laughs> I was like, hey, you're probably right. It's true. <laughs> but even some of my friends didn't, you know, they looked at me as one of their friends, not as his major league players. Because we had one event where uh, we were tending bar behind some bars, like at Raleigh's daughter or something down there. And uh, me and some other uh, players on the team, and some, one of my friends looked at us and said, what's Don doing back there with all those other, you know, major league players? You know, <laughs> they don't see me as that, and <laughs> which I, I, I can understand. 
That, that that's I mean it's that's great. I love how the like that you were getting a hard time for living at home. I guarantee you some of those players wish they could go home to their mother every once in a while while they're on the road. I mean, right now during this whole thing, I want to go over and hang out with my mom too, but she's like, "You stay out of my house. We're we're locking the doors." <laughs> well. Well, Don, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I love the fact that you're able to jump on and talk about this stuff with us. Yeah, I, I really, really appreciate it. And um, uh, I, hopefully we're going to get to back to baseball soon. When, when we do get back to baseball, what are you doing right now for the White Sox? Because are, are I know that they, they had you at SoxFest as part of a couple of different things. So to kind of tell everybody who might have missed it what you did over at SoxFest and what you're doing with the team right now. So SoxFest, I was, they had just, their ambassadors were there, and I'm one of their, their ambassadors. Uh, not as big of an ambassador as the Bo Jacksons and Carlton Fisk and Frank Thomas's of the world, but I'm one of the, the lesser known kind of ambassadors. So I do, I don't know, six, seven, eight or something appearances for the White Sox uh, during the year, you know, at different, different, sometimes at the ballpark, sometimes at SoxFest, sometimes I'll go to a hospital or things. Uh, different things that they, they asked me to do to represent the team. So uh, we were at Sox Fest and we were signing autographs and I was, I was at a table with me and John Kangelowski and uh, Dan Pasqua and I think Carlos May. So all four of us were at a table. I, I was kind of laughing because they needed four of us kind of has-beens had to be at a table as opposed to, you know, the, the good players like Fisk and, and Frank Thomas, you know, they're at the table by themselves with a big line of people in autographs. They had to get four of us together to get any kind of a line together for people to come through. But uh, we had a decent line, though, as it turned out. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was great to see the fans and talk to the fans. I always love love talking and, 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 and just intermingling with, with, the, with the fans, really. Because uh, I, I love Sox fans. You know, because I, I always said – I grew up a Sox fan, you know, so I know what it's like to be a Sox fan. So I want to be able to take care of the Sox fans the way that I knew that they'd want to be taken care of. I love that. I, always, I love that what you just said, because I was like, it ran through my mind. Like, well, yeah, that's why they had to put four of you together. And then you said it right away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Yes. So now put your fan hat on then for me. You get to be an ambassador. Like the rest of us have to figure out like, where am I getting tickets? And, you know, and sometimes we know a guy who can get us to something or get into something like that. W- what are the perks here, man, as a fan? Like, I mean, you get like field access, you get to get into a box every once in a while. You got like, what, what do they throw you for being an ambassador? Yeah. Well, no, just being uh, an ex player for the Sox, they allow us, uh, you know, I, I can get tickets to any game, pretty much any game I want to go to for me and my family. As long as I'm going, can't get tickets for other people, but as far as I'm going, I'm able to get tickets, and uh, you know, I can I can rent a skybox or something, at a, at a, you know, reduce reduce rate or something. Oh, they charge you for the you know, they're, char- they're charging you for the skybox, Dan. Oh, man, I wonder if they're charging <laughs> Frank Thomas for the skybox. A, a, a well reduced rate that is greatly appreciated. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can do all those things, and and that's a fact that I'm an ambassador. You know, we're kind of an ambassador. I, 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 I have a hard time calling myself an ambassador because I'm not sure if it's an actual ambassador or not. But the fact that I'm still doing stuff for the White Sox, I mean, I mean to be able to, to play for the team for those years is phenomenal, and, and now it's just a still be doing things for them afterwards you know i still live here i still have a huge Sox fan I still be able to do stuff for the Sox. it's just, again it's just still continuing the dream come true i just have had such a charmed life it's just 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 crazy i got nothing to complain about 
That's awesome. Well, Don Paul, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, and we'll have to have you back on again sometime in the future because I had a lot of fun talking with you. Chris, anytime, just let me know. Happy to talk and happy to help out and uh, anybody around Evergreen Park for sure. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.